Sex, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the speculative interdimensional vehicle, Sex in Space. Its mission, to explore new points of view, to seek out fresh opinions, to boldly go where so many have gone before, and still somehow manage to totally miss the point. Subscribe to Sex in Space, wherever quality podcasts are found. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Sex in Space. I'm here with my co-host Toshi. Hello. Hello. We have got a show for you today. We have an interview that I did with the wonderful Cindy Gallup, which is really bloody exciting. Uh, she's the founder of Make Love Not Porn. I learned a whole heap. She was super insightful. Um, and so that's coming up. We've also got a bit of a dive into what's been going on on our own socials, a couple of recommendations for you from the social world and the podcast world, and um, also our little uh, sex quiz, the triple threat quiz. Yeah, all exciting stuff. We actually... We just lob into the questions first, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, because they're coming up at the end of the show. Yes. Answers at the end of the show. Do you want to read these questions out, Toshi? Yes. Okay. So, question one. Yo. What is the average age that kids are first watching porn? Um, question two. What is the average length of time that penetrative sex lasts? Okay. And question three. The average length of an American penis is five inches or 12.7 centimeters. So what length of penis do gay and bisexual men picture in their fantasies? Hmm. Those are our questions. Those are the questions for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it, to get specific about a particular part of fantasy? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever got out of measuring tape in any of my fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, how did they... How did they How know? did they do that? How did they do like, that? How yeah. would you do that? Hey, these researchers, are, they've got their ways. Yeah. Their wily ways. I'm figuring it out. I know. Awesome. Okay. So, um, since we last spoke, I mean, we speak every day, Mm. but since (laughs) we last did an episode, it's been kicking off in the TikTok world. Yeah. Has it not? That's our own TikTok channel, sexandspace.com. Yeah. I mean, we were... Just merrily trotting along, trotting along, posting putting videos up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like one a week, kind of done more. Uh, probably I'd say like three a week, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just you know, just just different different content, yeah. different subjects, stuff like that. You know, and lo and behold, <laughs> one of them just kicked off. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Just I think it was about two weeks after we posted it as well. Yeah. Just kicked off, and all of a sudden everybody was watching it. Yeah, these um these TikTok algorithms crazy yeah yeah go on break it down what actually happened so so in the video we were talking about um cultural preferences regarding penis size and we looked at um statues from antiquity and how a lot of them have these really muscular and like you know defined men but with really tiny penises yeah and that was just their cultural preference because for them that was like a sign of being intelligent and having self-restraint and you know you weren't wild and loose and couldn't control yourself that's right and so it was you wanted to be depicted that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so the cultural preference of the time, and that's yeah. why they're, they're supposedly looked down on people with 
with yeah, large ones. With large yeah. phalluses. Yeah, they were like, right. you can't control yourself if you have a large penis. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> we had many people saying either I am a Greek god or people saying I am definitely not a Greek god and I must be stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the, the theme I noticed on our comments from that video. Yeah. No, what well, I think what was interesting was the, the sheer... The, the kind of interaction that that it um, generated, I guess, yeah. felt it felt genuine. Like mm. people were really, um, uh, yeah, genuinely interacting with it. Plus, it it up pushed our audience, um, or at least the viewers for that video, yeah, to a, a more male um, audience, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, which is good because I think I mean looking at our insights, we get a lot of. I would say we get often more female viewers. Yeah, and so this one was largely men and a lot of them were over 30 yeah looking at the ages as well there was like 55 plus had a whole bunch of people yeah which was super interesting yeah um and yeah the the views on that video are what are they at the moment they are very close to 240,000 right 239.9 <laughs> so we can just run that up yeah yeah that's <laughs> fine yeah 240,000 um that's pretty crazy right like for yeah. something that was it just just one evening just had gone from, you know... Probably like 2,000 is what we usually get. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just started going crazy. Yeah. And we've done videos about all sorts of topics, right? Uh, mm. Vulvas and... Um, the gaming world and yeah. how gendered it can be. Yeah, lots of things like that. It's interesting that this is the one that, that kicked off. Mm. I don't know what that says about algorithms or people's preferences yeah. or what um, they, um, you know, the kind of content people are genuinely interacting with. I mean, a lot of, I doubt that people are searching uh, to yeah. for that kind of content, but it's, but it was, a lot of it was recommended, right? So mm, it wasn't like in the For You page, people were just, I guess, scrolling in their algorithms, just naturally put it in there. Yeah. Um, and I guess they felt interested enough to keep watching and yeah. <laughs> leave, a, leave a little comment. Yeah. No, it's just something really interesting, isn't it? Watching that that kind of unfold, mm. and um, yeah, just the insights that that you sort of get from something like that, really. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, definitely everybody should go and check out the other videos yeah. and that one on. Uh, Tell us what you think. Yeah, on TikTok. Yeah, um, yeah, sexandspace dot com. That's sexandspace. That's all one word. Mm. Sexandspace d o t c o m. Except that e. And sex is, is spelled with a, is a three. Yeah. But I think if you type it in, you, it still pops up. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah, check yeah. on it from my other account. Oh, okay. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure we're not and being... it still works. Yeah. Not, the, not being shadow banned or that's something. That's it. Yeah. Shadow banning. Especially because I'm saying a lot of words that I'm pretty sure that TikTok wouldn't like. Yeah. I know. I've, I've spotted a few of the the ones and the at symbols and stuff like yeah. that popping in there. <laughs> that's good. The games we play, eh? Um, yeah. No, interesting. Really interesting stuff. Um, I guess, yeah, watch this space. Would mm. it make it over half a million? Oh, sorry, quarter of a million. I hope so. We haven't got far to go. No, yeah. And it's funny as well because it, every now and again, has a little extra surge. Mm. And slows down again and then has a little and surge. And then picks up. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Um, now, talking of social mm. uh, stuff, we... Um, obviously, there's tons and tons going on out there that we could, we could talk about, but... Um, we're doing the social recommends um, from either you or I or, or people that we're sort of interested in at the moment. Mm. So um, who we got today? Today from uh, Instagram, or Instagram yeah. and Twitter, we have Chanel Lal. 
Yep. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think you could be. Um, so they are a columnist for the New Zealand Herald. Mm -hmm. um, super active on social media. Um, LGBT rights activist, political commentator. Mm -hmm. um, they focus mostly on New Zealand issues, but I've also seen them address things that are happening in the States, for example. Yeah. And so they'll often, you know, present something that's happening, but it is through um, their own lens and how they perceive it and their own comments on it. Yeah. But it, I think it's a really nice way to um, keep in touch with what's happening politically in New Zealand mm -hmm. and there's a lot of conversation that happens in the comments too yeah which is always even if I'm not engaging in the comments just reading it seeing what people think and their perspectives and maybe seeing you know two sides to an issue yeah yeah it's always quite nice to just be like okay you know what are people thinking about this thing that's happening yeah I, f I found that it's um they're really insightful from a point of view that I might not necessarily have thought of I'm not saying that the issues that they um, are talking about, I would assume, and it seems to be the case that you know I'm normally on the same side as they are. Yeah. But I think that it's what they bring is really interesting insights. They're your age. I'm a shit yeah. older. Um, they're 23, I think. Yeah. Um, they are South Asian, I think, um, and so yeah, it's it's always very insightful to me at any rate um the perspective that they that they bring mm. that i yeah haven't th necessarily always thought of um so that's really good so yeah what are they on sorry their instagram uh, and instagram twitter. twitter yeah and i think it's helpful as well that they deliver what they're talking about in a very sort of short and punchy way mm. so you're not reading a massive long piece yeah you know, there'll be maybe like a carousel post yeah, yeah, with yeah. four or five short tweets yeah. and you can get everything that you need from it. Yeah, cool. Which is awesome. Yeah, insightful, thought-breaking stuff. Um, everyone should go check them out. Mm. And uh, I would also like to get them on the show. Um, yes. That would be great. Um, okay, into podcast world. This episode's uh, recommended listening is the Girls Get Off podcast. Um you can't miss them at the moment. They're currently number one in the New Zealand sexuality podcast chart. Okay. Um, and, yeah, we had them on the podcast last year. Um, that was our episode 15, and that was great. We had a really, really awesome chat about the origins of their business and their approach to social media um, and some of the um, sort of challenges they face as, as a as a business, but also kind of their their driving values behind sort of what what they're doing, because um, they're a sex toy brand, I guess would be their primary thing. Um, but they um, have got a really great, you know, underlying values and message about sort of empowering pleasure and female pleasure, um, particularly. And yeah, their podcast is an absolute riot. It's a real hoot. Um, <laughs> It is, like, I guess it's slightly confronting sometimes, but it's, it's um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. They, they get a lot of um, experts on there. They, you know, talk about sex tips and stuff like that. It's right on brand for them. Mm. If anyone's followed them on their Instagram and stuff like that, you kind of know know, know what the vibe is. Yeah. They've also got a couple of burner accounts, I think, on Instagram, um, and they kind of, like, 
closed Facebook group for the real juicy stuff. Um, I joined that actually. You joined that one? Yeah, yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really yeah. good. And the podcast is just more of the same. It's um yeah, it's it's really good. Um so yeah, definitely check that out. Mm. That's and yeah. Currently number one in the charts, which is technically the charts that we would be in as well, so maybe we should stop recommending them and yeah. try and chase them down. But that's yeah. fine. Uh, into our interview. Now, apologies. So we actually said last time that the n- next interview we would publish was with mm. Joe Robertson, who's the sex therapist. Um, but we got the chance to interview Cindy. She's up to some really um, interesting stuff at the moment. And so um, as a sort of time relevancy, I guess, mm. and she's... I mean, you're you're here in the interview. She's she's calling for um, investors for the thing that she's up to. So we just thought, we'll just squeeze this one in. Um, and uh, yeah, Joe will be along in the next episode. Um, but yeah, on to Cindy on her website. Cindy describes herself as a brand and business innovator, a consultant, coach, and keynote speaker. Um, we would also add to this list that she's a bloody fabulous. Um, innovative sex activist and has been for uh, ages. Uh, mm. She has a background um, in advertising and she's, you know, works all over the world. Um, but she stepped out of that to um, found the radical online space of Make Love Not Porn. And if you've not already heard about it, you will know about it after today. The the sort of work that she's up to, she's reframing an opening space for healthy conversations um, about the ever-increasing bombardment of porn and sexual content that we're all exposed to at all ages, Mm. and using those conversations to facilitate better, more open, and healthy sexual relationships. She also describes herself as an experienced and confident woman up for the challenge of re-education, rehabilitation, and reorientation when it comes to sex. Yeah, a lot of the origin story um, that we sort of talk about in the interview has come from her through her own experiences, but her um, approach to things and the sort of the values that underpin it all are um, really, really interesting and right in our wheelhouse. And a really great, really great chat with her. So yeah, one of my one of my faves mm. to date. Um, so we will stop waffling and jump into that (laughs) okay enjoy everybody and now the interview hello cindy welcome to sex and space thank you great to be here excellent thank you so much um for our listeners that do not know make love not porn uh dot tv i think um can you tell us what what that's all about sure so i have a business that is a complete and total accident because i never consciously intentionally set out to do anything i very bizarrely find myself doing now so make love not porn came about because i date younger men who tend to be men in their 20s and about 15 16 years ago now I began realizing through dating younger men that I was encountering what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence, Tim, because most people think it's only one thing. Or I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets 
our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. When those two factors converge, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. Mm -hmm. And being a naturally action-oriented person, I went, I'm going to do something about this. So 14 years ago, I put up on No Money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original iteration was just words. Mm -hmm. The construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. I launched Make Love Not Porn at TED in 2009. I became the only TED speaker to say the words come on my face on the TED stage six times a succession. The talk went viral as a result. And it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Mm -hmm. Thousands of people wrote to me from every single country in the world, young and old, male and female, straight and gay, from New Zealand as well, by the way, pouring their hearts out. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so that was when I felt, oh my God, I now have a personal responsibility. I have to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that will make it much more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. And so I turned it into a business designed to do good and make money simultaneously. So today, Make Love Not Porn is the world's first and only user-generated, 100% human-curated social sex video sharing platform. So we're kind of what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it doesn't. The way to think about us is, if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. We are a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful, comical, awkward sex we all have in the real world. Mm. And what we're doing is we are socializing sex, normalizing it, bringing it out of the shadows into the sunlight to make it easier for everyone to talk about and to promote consent, communication, good sexual values and good sexual behavior. We're literally sex education through real world demonstration. And we have a revenue sharing business model. So I foresaw the creator economy 14 years ago when I concepted this to democratize access to income. Our members pay to subscribe, rent and stream social sex videos. Half the income goes to our contributors whom we call our make love not porn stars. Beautiful. That's incredible. The, um, the, the issues just to sort of unpack a little bit um, that you were, um, I suppose, personally um, confronted with back in, you know, when this was uh, seeded in your in your mind. I guess, you would you call that even then in, in 2009, like the sort of pornification of, of sex? I mean, could you unpack a little bit? I mean, sure, I know it's personal, sure. but just, just kind of no, 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 what, no, no, what that no, might no, be. Only because I um... nothing's personal because okay. I've been showing this. Um, so, so basically, Tim, I was the very first person to publicly stand on a stage at TED and identify the fact that when we don't talk openly and honestly about sex in the real world, porn becomes sex education by default mm. in not a good way. And so um, uh, today, um, if you go to makelovenotporn.tv, we have my TED talk on our homepage. And we also have the original makelovenotporn.com uh, slides on our homepage as well, porn world versus real world. And every one of those slides in some form or other happened to me. So we have, you know, porn world, women have no hair down there. Mm -hmm. Real world, actually, you know, some women like shaving, waxing, others don't. Some men like 
you know, pussies that are shaved and waxed, others don't. It's entirely a matter of personal taste. It's not that you have to do this. You know, we have porn world, you know, all men love coming on women's faces and all women love having their faces come on. Mm. Real world, again, some people like this, some people don't. It's just a really good idea to find out before you just <laughs> go ahead and do it. You know, and, and honestly, what all of this boils down to really is, you know, understand that it's precisely because we don't talk about sex that porn is the only place people can go to see people having sex until I launched Make Love Not Porn, mm. which, which answers the question we... But by the way, I'm sorry, this is a New York hazard. There are sirens right. in the background. Is that a problem or, or yeah, not? Yeah, no, I, I can hear them, but we, it's fine. It's all good. Great, okay. Yeah. So, so I was going to say, you know, you know um, Make Love Not Porn solves for the question everybody really wants to know the answer to, which is, what is everybody else really doing in bed? Mm. And now, you know, we show you. And so, I mean, I mean uh, you know, to, uh, what is wonderful is that as a unique venture, we have a unique capability. We have the power to change people's sexual attitudes and behavior for the better in a way that nothing else can. Mm. And so we hear from our members every day telling us how, you know, we really helped them. We saved their relationship. You know, we made them realize that sex doesn't have to be the way it is in porn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Isn't that so interesting how um, people need to be shown? I suppose we're in such a, I don't know, it's such an all-encompassing culture um, that, you know, the the, it's, the light switch needs to, be, needs to be flicked before people were like, oh, actually, yes, you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting that that reality is so skewed by culture, I guess. Um, well, um, well it, it's, it's not because, um, quite frankly, that is the case in every single area of our lives. Mm. My background is 38 years working in advertising, and I've spent a lot of that time campaigning for my industry to understand its responsibility and to respond to that in a way that would actually sell many more products and brands for our clients. because. Every so, so, um, so here, here's an example of why Make Love Not Porn is so important. At Make Love Not Porn, our social sex videos are enormously reassuring mm. because we celebrate real world everything, real world bodies, real world hair, real world penis size, real world breast size, real world vulvas. And the reason that's important, Tim, is because you can talk body positivity all you like. You can preach self-love until you're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, nothing makes us feel good about our own bodies, like seeing people who are no one's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other, mm -hmm. desiring each other, having an amazing time in bed. In a world where every area of popular culture, including advertising, every day sends us all messages that tell us you are not hot, you are not sexually attractive. You are not desirable unless you are this skinny, six-pack abs, look like this. Our members write to us and tell us, you made me feel better about my own body. One man wrote and said, my girlfriend and I now feel able to be more open and central with each other because you made each of us feel better about our own bodies. That's incredibly important because, you know, um, I'm... Um, I've been doing this, this for 14 years, and I'm regularly asked the same question in media interviews, which is, so Cindy, why do you think we're all so repressed about sex? And I'm asked this question so often, I have my answer down pat. Three no. reasons. Reason number one, 
So reason number one, centuries of repression, religion, socio-cultural dynamics in every single country in the world. You know, this, this is a universally global issue. Reason number two, the patriarchy. Yeah. Because historically, every institution, including government and religion, has been male-dominated. We as women have never been allowed to bring our lens to bear on human sexuality, and the world is a poorer place for it. And reason number three, very frankly, is that there are not enough people like me. And what I mean by that is the world makes it extraordinarily difficult to innovate and disrupt social narratives around sex. Many people have tried and given up, and I don't blame them because my life is shitty on a daily basis because of what I do and because of all the blocks and challenges to it. Uh, and yeah. so we need many more people like me who will keep going no matter what to change, change the way the world thinks about sex. That's fantastic. The um, some of those blocks. Are you talking about, um, you know, like online suppression and and problems with finances and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So basically, yeah. Tim, I've fought a battle with my tiny team every single day for the past fourteen years yeah. to build this venture and to keep it alive. Basically, because every piece of business infrastructure. Any other tech startup takes for granted. We can't. The small print always says no adult content. Right. And that is all pervasive across every single area of the business. Historically, it couldn't get funded, couldn't get banked, couldn't put payments in place, couldn't use the tech services I want to. And, you know, the biggest business growth inhibitor is that we are banned from advertising anywhere. We cannot advertise on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, YouTube, Google, Snapchat, TikTok, and in traditional media. And it's not just us. There's a massively gendered bias at play. Any female-led sexual health and wellness venture, menstruation ventures, menopause ventures, fertility ventures, they are banned from advertising as well. In the meantime, male sexual health and wellness, not a problem. Yeah. Erectile dysfunction solutions welcome everywhere. Yeah. And so I'm- Follow me around I'm, the internet. <laughs> yeah. No, so I, I am working to change all of that because I believe in building solutions to my own problems. And that's what I'm focused on raising funding for right now. That's brilliant. Um, can I then ask this journey, um, I suppose, into, into this, I suppose it must stem from the the person that you are, how you grew up and, and various other factors that 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 actually interests me a little bit like your own um your own upbringing i mean you were born in the uk is that right yep. and then went to brunei um yep. and i think formally educated over there in in a fact like what was your what was that like for you what was that and sex education and well, to, um, to, to, to be perfectly frank tim not, none of that had anything to do with what i'm doing now because no. You know, as the saying goes, the path appears. Yeah. And the path appeared when all of those people wrote to me after my TED talk. And I went, bloody hell, you know, I've uncovered a huge issue. And I had no idea the scale of that issue. Um, you know, um, uh, as you say, I was born in the UK. I'm half English, half Chinese. My father was English. My mother's Malaysian Chinese. We moved to Brunei when I was six because my father got a job there. I grew up in Brunei, which I always have to explain is a lot more boring than it sounds. Okay. It's, um, you know, a very small place um, and um, not a lot going on, Orthodox Muslim, you know, et cetera. Um, so, so, yeah, it, it wasn't um, – my, my, my parents regularly apologized to me and my sisters for our childhood, by the way, okay. because um, 
Yeah, I mean, Brunei obviously, you know, is rich in Muslim and Malay culture, but it was very devoid of, you know, films and music and literature and, you know, all, all of those things that contribute to a cultural upbringing. Um, but, you know, to, I mean, the good thing about it was that I absolutely bring a global perspective to everything I do uh, as a result of all the other places I've lived and how much traveling I've done. So mm. it certainly helped in that respect. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, but so, again, I mean, you know, only as much as you're comfortable with sharing, but like, did, in terms of like your um, sexual upbringing, and and you know, did you did you get a chance to sort of talk talk to your parents? Did you have a full oh my god, abs- sex absolutely education? not, absolutely, absolutely not, not. no, no, no. To, um, no. So like many people, my parents never talked about sex. You right. know, I mean, you know, um, I'm half Chinese and grew up in Asia. You know, yeah. and that particularly societally is not about being open about sex. The extent of my mother's conversation to me and my sisters was, girls, you stay virgin till you marry. You know, right. that was about it. Yeah. Um, so, um, so, so basically, um, you know, the, um, the moment I began having sex as an adult, I went, fuck me, this is amazing. This is fabulous. You know, yeah. why are we so messed up about it? You know, and so, and so that, that undoubtedly, you know, ultimately factored into, you know, the, um, you know, the moment of revelation with my TED talk and the way mm. the world reacted to it. But, um, but you know, the, um, the, there was no particular through line, is what I'm saying, um, yeah. between that and, and, and Make Love Not Porn. No, that's, that's interesting. So um, I was going to say, you know, in terms of like your sort of growth, I guess, sexual influences into, into being a sort of sexual being that would, would then, you know, um, start, start Make Love Not Porn is... Um, yeah, there's no, there's no clear line, but um... no, it, it, it's, it's just, um, you know, it, it's the fundamental truth about all entrepreneurs, um, Tim, especially female ones. You know, um, every one of us encountered a personal problem mm. and designed a solution. Yeah, you know, I encountered an issue in bed with younger men that would never have crossed my mind if I had not encountered it very directly and personally. I went, you know, to I. You know, found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that's coming from. Yeah. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. 16 years ago, I didn't know that because at that time, nobody was talking about this. Nobody was writing about it. This was just me, as, as I said, a naturally action-oriented person going, I want to do something to solve this. Mm. And, that, and that was where the idea came from. But that is very much the principle of... You know, um, many entrepreneurs basically, you know, encounter a personal issue, build a solution to it, and then find that millions of people welcome that solution. Yeah. In terms of the the sort of feedback that you that you've talked about um, from people using Make Love Not TV, the what are some of the sort of the negative effects that they've said that they've overcome? I mean, I'm quite interested in that. Um, from a female perspective, but from a male perspective as well, and other you know gender diverse bodies and stuff like that. That's really interesting. Sure. So, um, so first of all, Tim, what is very important to make love not porn is not just what we do, but the way that we do it. Because as I said earlier, we are socialising and normalising sex, bringing it into the mainstream. So everything about our website is consciously, intentionally designed to do that. So, for example. Back when we were building the site, um, my brilliant lead user experience designer, Uni Chase, said to me, everything on the internet is dark and black. We're going to be white. 
And so that's why our website has a white background, because we are bringing sex out of the dark shadows and into the sunlight. And so a very important part of what we do is that we are what I call a shame changer. We are taking the shame, guilt and embarrassment out of sex. We're destigmatizing it. So people really respond to that. But, um, you know, here's um, here's something very interesting. Um, so, So we celebrate real world emotions at Make Love Not Porn love, intimacy, feelings. And the reason that's crucial is because, again, all around us in popular culture, um, we see, you know, TV, movies, Netflix, we see many creative expressions and narratives of relationships, but we never see the actual sex. On Make Love Not Porn, you see the actual sex, but you also see the relationships. Because in our videos, those two things are indivisible. Mm. And when I say that, I don't mean just that, in our coupled partnered threesome videos, you see healthy relationship dynamics within sex. In our many solo videos, because we, we have a ton of, you know, male, female, trans, non-binary masturbation videos, you see in those videos what it's like to have a healthy relationship with yourself, with your own body, your own genitals, your own sexuality. And what is especially interesting is, so I designed Make Love Not Porn to be fully diverse and inclusive, and it is, you know, our members and our Make Love Not Porn stars are straight, LGBTQ, as I said, male, female, trans, non-binary, asexual, all races, ethnicities. But in the 10 years we've operated as a business, we've especially observed that we come as a major revelation to men. Mm-hmm. We probably get more appreciative emails and comments on our videos from men than anybody else, because we are something unique that men will find nowhere else on the internet which is a safe space where men can be and watch other men being open, emotional, and vulnerable around sex. You wouldn't read the number of men who write to us and say, I just watched my first video, Make Love Not Porn, and afterwards I cried. I've been saying for years, I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Women enjoy sex just as much as men, and men are just as romantic as women. Yet neither gender is allowed to openly celebrate either fact. We'd all be a whole lot better off if they were. I picked up a wonderful exchange on Twitter last year between two men. The first man I tweeted, this is obviously a joke, he tweeted, hey guys, got this really weird fetish. I've got this kink where I want to watch porn, where people are honest, loving, loyal, decent, and really like each other. Hit me up with the hottest links, please. Yeah. Another man replied to him and he said, there's this website called Make Love Not Porn, where you can see real couples fucking and making love. He said, I watched a video where the woman said to her man, I love you while they're making love. He said, sincerely, I cried when I heard that. We are one of the solutions to toxic masculinity. Mm, amazing. And that's, and I guess that's true, right? Because what, what a, a mainstream narrative of, of porn is, you know, male dominated, masculine, you know, um preferencing male pleasure those sorts of things there's not much vulnerability right in um, yeah but uh, i mean i mean again porn is scripted produced performative entertainment yeah by, by men porn, yeah. yeah i mean yeah through the male lens and make yeah. love not porn is what we're all doing in the real world you know yeah and and you know what that means is you know, you know, we get amazing emails from our community every day saying you saved our marriage, you saved our relationship, you made me feel better about my own body, you know, you made me feel able to talk about sex with my children more openly. And actually, what is really interesting, Tim, is 
you know, um, how well Make Love Not Porn does everything I design it to do, but how well it does things that I never consciously designed to do. So, for example, we hear regularly from survivors of rape, sexual assault, sexual abuse. We hear from female and male survivors and trans non-binary survivors who tell us that Make Love Not Porn helped them reclaim their bodies. We help them feel able to be sexual again in, in a scenario where porn is obviously way too triggering in this context. Mm. And it's not just our members who view our videos. We have a number of Make Love Not Porn stars who have told us that being able to share their real world sex in a completely safe and trustworthy space has helped them process and heal from sexual trauma and abuse. Mm. And I never, you know, thought of that as a use case when I was designing the platform. So that, that is absolutely wonderful to hear. It is extraordinary, the transformative power of being open and normal about sex and enabling people to feel comfortable in themselves as sexual beings. It's absolutely amazing. I was going to say that the, the knock-on effects must be must be incredible because I, you know, a mainstream narrative is, you know, um, revenge porn or, or, you know, sharing intimate pictures and, you know, it's all a little bit, you know, shamey, isn't it? But to, to go and own that and be like, yeah, here it is. Um, and, and, you know, all the good things about it. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I talk about the fact that when I get Make Love Not Porn funded to scale as the Facebook of social sex, which is how big we want to be globally, one of these side benefits will be that nobody will ever have to worry ever again about having a naked photograph or a sex video of themselves on the internet because it's simply just a natural, normal human part of who we all are. Mm. Yeah. And that's, and that, so the people that are your, your not porn stars, your make love not porn stars, yeah. um, are they, how how do they what's the the sort of the the things that they have to go through to to decide they actually want to to publish these videos like um i guess is it is it is it about you know in some case exhibitionism or enjoyment nope, or nope, you know, it's nope, all, not, not at all um, so uh, so, um, so the vast majority of our Make Love Not Porn stars have never, ever filmed themselves doing anything sexual before, ever. Mm. They're doing it for us because they believe in our social mission. Yeah. And so what I've done, Tim, is, so I designed Make Love Not Porn around my own beliefs and philosophies, one of which is that everything in life starts with you and your values. So I regularly ask people this question, what are your sexual values? And nobody can ever answer me because we're not taught to think like that. Our parents bring us up to have good manners, a work ethic, sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed, but they should because in bed values like empathy, sensitivity, generosity, kindness, honesty, trust, respect are as important as those values are in every other area of our lives where we're actively taught to exercise them. So I have built a community around shared social and sexual values. And so our Make Love Not Porn Stars come to us. And by the way, you know, bear in mind, Tim, we are banned from advertising. Yeah. We cannot promote ourselves anywhere. They find us. And by the way, our video submissions rate keeps increasing. Right now, we're getting five to six video submissions per day with no advertising. 
Yeah. Okay. Imagine what we can do, do with funding. But basically, they, they find their way to us through, you know, hearing about us from the media, recommended by a friend. And each Make Love Not Porn star has their personal journey, you know, which we, we ask them, anyone who's willing to, to actually write about for our blog. You know, we have, for example, we have a number of, of these Make Love Not Porn stars, people who come from very repressive religious upbringings, you know. So we have one married couple um, who, you know, both, both come from fundamentalist Christian homes, you know, got married very young, came across Make Love Not Porn in a magazine, and they said to each other, we have to do this to overcome the shame and repression around sex imposed on us by our religious upbringing. So they filmed themselves having sex for the first time ever and shared it on Make Love Not Porn and found it a fantastically liberating experience, as have other, you know, to, um, you know Christian Make Love Not yeah. Porn stars. So, so that, that's one journey. Um, you know, we have a lot of members, you know, who start off as members and really enjoy our videos and they go, ooh, let's do this too. You know, so, um, so, um, so that's how some people find their way to us. We have, um, um, you know, so um, with our solo Make Love Not Porn stars, you know, one woman, one young woman um, posted a video a few months back. And in her intro to it, she said, all my life, I've been told my vulva's ugly. I've been told it's too big, too flappy, too meaty. She went, I don't agree. And so I thought, what the hell? I'm going to share a video on here and see what you all think. And so she shared a video of herself masturbating. And our community is wonderful. Within less than an hour, the comments were, oh, my God, you're beautiful. What are they talking about? You're gorgeous. You yeah. know, it's enormously affirming for our Make Love Not Porn stars you know, to, um, to, to, um, to, to share themselves, I say, within a very safe space. Mm. And, and to make our listeners aware of how safe that space is. Um, and I want to contextualize this in the broader tech landscape as a whole. The young white male founders of the giant tech platforms that dominate our lives today, they are not the primary targets online or offline of harassment, abuse, sexual assault, violence, rape, racism, revenge porn, Therefore, they did not and they do not proactively design for the prevention of any of those things on their platforms. And we see the results around us every single day. Yeah. Those of us who are most at risk every single day, women, black people, people of color, LGBTQ, the disabled, we design safe spaces and safe experiences. I and my tiny team spent literally years concepting and designing Make Love Not Porn before we ever built it because we knew if we were going to invite people to something they've never done before, socially share their real world sex, we had to think through every possible ramification of that to design a completely safe and trustworthy space. Mm. And as a result, you know, not only do we operate unlike anybody else in the adult sphere, we operate unlike anybody else on the internet, period. Because I designed Make Love Not Porn through the female lens to be the safest place on the internet, I designed around what everybody else should have, nobody else did, human curation. There is no self-publishing of anything on Make Love Not Porn. Our curators watch every frame of every video submitted from beginning to end before we approve or reject and we publish it. No one else does that. We review every post on every member profile. Photos, text, illustration. And by the way, on Make Love Not Porn, those posts can be as safe worth or not safe worth as you like, mm. but we review them. We approve and we publish them. Nobody else does that. We review every single comment on every single video. 
before we approve or reject and we publish it. No one else does that. We can vouch for every single piece of content on our platform in a way that nobody else can, and that is why we are the safest place on the internet. Yeah, amazing. And, I mean, that just screams through, I mean, when you talk about the diversity of people that are that are uploading and, and using your space and stuff like that. So that's that's amazing. The um, And like you said, the learnings from way back in way back way back in 2009 to to now um in terms of the feedback and and everything else that that you that you've learned on this journey must just be must just be incredible um the the obvious sort of next step then um is the vision for make love not porn academy am i right which is moving the lens to a more education space directly is that am i correct well, right so um i've spent the past 14 years parallel pathing two things working to build make love not porn and working to change the cultural and business context around it mm. because when you have a truly world-changing startup you have to change the world to fit it not the other way around yeah so i have kept make love not porn operational as a business for 10 years on just three million dollars of funding which yeah. is an extraordinary feat. And so I am now raising a serious round of funding. I'm raising $17 million to do four things, to scale the core business and then to build out three product extensions, two of which I've had in the pipeline for years. I've talked about publicly for years, but have not until now been able to find investors willing to fund them. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to report that, you know, 14 years of work has absolutely made those barriers fall. So the first product expansion is a really obvious one because parents and teachers began writing to me from day one yeah. of Make Love Not Porn saying, please, can you build out a sex education version of this? And so I am raising funding to build a zero to 18 version of Make Love Not Porn, Make Love Not Porn dot academy. I bought the URL many years ago. There's a very old holding page there um, temporarily, um, but basically, this is what I characterize as the Khan Academy of sex education. Because Khan Academy, the online tutoring platform, tutors on every other topic under the sun except this one. Educational technology, edtech, is exploding as a category, not in this area. Yeah. So I want to build the academy along the same principles as makelovenotporn.tv, user-generated, crowdsourced, curated revenue share. Because I'm not about reinventing the wheel. This is an aggregation play. I want to build the go-to global hub for the world's sex education content. So the way it will work when I've raised the funding I need to do this is, you know, we'll build the academy platform and open it up to sex educators all around the world and invite them to share with us their own content, coursework materials, books, videos, comic strips, whatever it may be. We will curate at the heart of everything we do lies human curation. We only publish what we endorse. And we will then publish all this content segmented by age appropriateness. So if you're a parent freaking out going, oh my God, my six-year-old just asked about this, what am I gonna say? You know, here's where you would go for entirely age appropriate tools and content to be able to have that conversation with a six-year-old. If you're a teacher with a class of 14-year-olds, you know, here are your age appropriate teaching materials. If you're an adult, access all areas because adults are desperate for all this information as well. But the important thing, Tim, is that the academy will be where children and young people can access sex education without parental teacher gatekeeping. And here's the reason why that's important. I have a friend who's a mother 
Well, as you have to these days, monitored her kid's browsing history. Yeah. And this happened a few years ago when her son was eight years old. She saw that on the family computer, he'd Googled sex for children. So she freaked out somewhat, but did the right thing, stayed calm, sat him down, went, darling, you know, I see you've done this, talk me through it. And this anecdote is adorable and horrifying in equal measure because her son wanted to learn about sex. He was a child. He knew he was a child. He wanted to learn about sex in a child-appropriate way. Yeah. And so he very innocently and naively Googled sex for children. You can imagine what came back. He was I, utterly traumatized. Yeah. And so, you know, the idea with the academy is that an eight-year-old boy can enter his age and we will serve him entirely age-appropriate sex education content. Mm. Now, some of this, like that example, will be free to access, but we'll also charge to download, subscribe, bulk buy if you're a school. There are different revenue streams, different use cases. And we will then split the income 50-50 with its creators, the educators, the same way we do with our Make Love Not Porn Stars. Mm. Because right now, nobody goes into sex education to make money. I have friends who are brilliant sex educators. They have all the same problems I do. Their content gets blocked on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. You know, they can't make a living doing this. I want to change that because this is enormously valuable work. It is very valuable. And I imagine in similar ways um, to make love, not porn TV, the cultural spread that you'll open up will be phenomenal as well for different, not just the ages range, but but culturally as well, those different things that a lot of people aren't exposed to. So that'll be... No, no, no you're, you're absolutely right, Tim, because, um, you know, for example, you know, I, I have a network of brilliant sex educator friends all around the world, and one of them is an amazing woman based in India called Paramita Vora. Her background is filmmaking. And some years back, she started a company called Agents of Ish, which is the Hindi term for love and desire. Um, and what they do is they make culturally appropriate, sensitive sex education in India. Okay. And it's brilliant. You know, they make videos that spoof Bollywood musical numbers to talk about consent. And, you know, whenever she produces a new film, I share the shit out of it. But I said to her some time back, Paro, why do your videos only get 30,000 views on YouTube? And she said, because I can't run them anywhere in India, which is obviously very, you know, repressive. Yeah. You know, And so, you know, imagine when I can showcase her work on the Academy the benefit to not just people in India, but the Indian diaspora all around the world to be able to access sex education by your community for your community. And the important thing too, Tim, is um, I'm out to prove concept because for 14 years, people have said to me, oh, Cindy, you should be in schools. You know, you should get make love porn on the curriculum. And I've gone, no, I shouldn't, because anyone trying to get sex ed into schools comes up against the Parent Teacher Association, moral panic, you know. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, the people currently keeping sex ed out of schools don't know what it'd be like if they allowed it in. They just know it'd be really bad. Mm. In their heads, they have this abstract concept of Sodom and Gomorrah will ensue. Absolutely. And, so, and so when I can show you, gathered in one place, on one platform, the world's sex education content, and you can see for yourself how brilliant, healthy, educational, informational it is, that is what then gets sex ed into schools because no one's ever done that before. Yeah. And so I have to prove concept. So, so they'll be the ones that are left, left behind, essentially, you know, if they well, don't. Well, 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 they, they'll finally be able to see that they can pick and choose, to your point, they can pick and choose according to their sensitivities. Mm. But this is actually what it looks like when you have a ton of brilliant sex education in one place because no one's ever done that before. I think it, it'll, be, it'll be amazing. Um, it's always... 
astounded me how, and this is just, you know, very much from my own cultural perspective and and experiences and upbringing, that pleasure just isn't mentioned at all. Like for me, and I don't know, I'm not not trying to overlay that into other other cultures and how, how they would approach the same subject, but for me, pleasure is the underlying sort of thing across all sex education. Everything just fits quite neatly on top. Like, you know, you can have the conversations around, you know, reproductive this and that and the other, but it all seems to stem from uh, an understanding of pleasure seems to be quite important Tim, <laughs> at the beginning. Um, Tim, Tim, absolutely right. It's crucial. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have another friend who's a mother. Um, that, that this woman is much older. And so she was telling me the other day about how when her daughter was 15, she thought, ooh, you know, I should probably sit down with her and have the sex talk. Yeah. So she sat down with her daughter and her daughter said to her, you're too late. And my friend, by her own admission, reacted very badly to discovering that her 15-year-old daughter was having sex. So much so that that shut down the conversation between them for many years, mm. that they couldn't go there ever again. And my friend felt terrible about this. And so many years later, when her daughter was an adult, she sat her down again and said, listen, I just want you to know that I, I, I want to apologize to you for the way I reacted in that conversation. And her daughter said something really telling. She said, all I wanted to know was that you enjoyed it. Mm. Pleasure is absolutely the message that we should be giving in all educational conversations. Parents should be open with their children. Yes, we really enjoy sex. And one day when you're old enough, you're going to have a wonderful time. And, and here are just some things you need to be aware of around that. Yeah. Absolutely. Start with pleasure. But, but because, again, you know, it, it's so ridiculous, Tim, that um, in all the moral panic around porn, okay, people go, oh, you know, watching porn does this, watching porn. And, and by the way, the issue isn't porn. The issue is we, we don't talk about sex in the real world. Yeah. You know, if we did, people would bring a real world mindset watching what is performative produced entertainment but what people are losing sight of in those conversations is nobody's watching porn they're wanking okay this is not entertainment you watch it's entertainment you masturbate to yeah you know and and nobody's acknowledging that of course they're going to be aroused you know i remember years ago um you know a journalist um and this is how ridiculous things have gotten saying to me very earnestly in an interview so cindy why do you think it is that we enjoy watching people having sex. And I just burst into hysterical laughter, rolled on from going, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, we're all sexual beings. Of course we enjoy watching people having sex. And so, you know, what is being shut out of the educational conversations is, you know, you watch sexually stimulating material, you're gonna get a hard on. Your pussy's gonna get wet. You know, that's because it is a pleasurable activity. You are gonna get aroused. And, but, you know, A, you should know that, you know, porn is not what real sex is like. B, here are things you should know about it. I mean, this is why, Tim, I recommend to every parent um, two key pieces of advice. By the way, I can't wait to launch Academy to be able to put these up, you know, so that everyone can access them. But, you know, um, piece of advice number one is today, you cannot begin talking to your child about sex too early. And when I say that, I don't mean literally talk about sex. What I mean is, the very first time your child asks where babies come from, you know, plays with the genitals, the most important thing isn't even what you say as much as how you say it. Mm. Never ever get visibly flustered. Never get embarrassed. You know, never shut them up. Never, never change the topic. Never leave the room. Instead, answer them calmly, straightforwardly, honestly, 
And you will open up a channel of communication for them that will always be there as they get older. And then the second thing I tell parents is today, when you talk to your child about sex, no matter how early, you must also talk to your child about porn. And it's a lot easier to do than most parents think, because all you have to do is say a version of what I'm, I'm about to give you, and you dial it up or down depending on the age of the child. Mm. So you go, darling, so we've just talked about sex. And you know how together we watch movies and videos and cartoons where things happen that aren't real. Well, there are also movies and videos about sex, and they're not real either. And because of that, they can be quite confusing. So we'd rather you didn't watch them until you're older. But if anybody ever shows you something like that, or you stumble across it, come and talk to us. We can explain it. That's all you have to say. Because just by saying that, you've done two very important things. Number one, you have set up in their heads for when they stumble across porn, as they will, it's not real. Yeah. And number two, you have said, come and talk to us, come and talk to me about it. Because what they stumble across can be utterly traumatizing. Mm. Yeah, I bet. And I'm in, in a context of, you know, whatever school age they are when they come across that, you know, there'll be other layers of like, oh, this is taboo, this is secret, don't tell you, don't tell so-and-so, so-and-so, mm. and all, all of the, the stuff mm. that other, other, you know, mm. the, the context of how they found it might sort of bring into it. So that's really interesting. The other, I wonder, um, through through doing this um, initially, and again, you know, keeping uh, your finger on the pulse, sort of the the speed with which um, cultural shifts around around sex, you know, from porn and, and various other influences, but the speed with which all that stuff seems to um, change. Um, and I mean, for me, um, I would say, yeah, from 2007 to, you know, to now, um, you know, where, where I suppose, you know, looking back at saying things like porn coming on people's faces, kind of relatively normal mainstream, you know, at certain points now it's long gone forgotten in the archives for some new trend of i don't know something no 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 no, 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 no tim first of all um sex and porn can currently have existed since the dawn of time okay oh, yeah. you know we, we have the press you know whatever and, and and the really important thing um to realize is everything you see in porn somebody somewhere adores doing okay oh. millions of somebody's okay? yeah um, you know, the issue isn't the acts. Um, the issue is, um, again, the lack of healthy conversation, education around sex in the real world. Mm. Because, you know, it's all about finding out what people enjoy and then making sure you're only doing what you both enjoy. And by the way, the interesting thing with Make Love Not Porn is that the 10 years we've been going, we can trace with both our Make Love Not Porn stars and our members, the more they are exposed to what people in the real world are doing, the more that encourages them to experiment and expand their sexual horizons. Mm. So, you know, um, we had a comment in one of our videos um, recently where they were doing something fun and one man said, oh my God, this is fantastic. I'd only ever seen this done in porn. I'd always want to try it. I showed this video to my wife. She said, let's try that. We did, it was amazing. I love you guys. Okay, so so, so, so the key thing is not, um, you, um, you know, um, to, uh, the, 
The issue with porn is absolutely not what anybody's doing within it. The issue is that, um, and a lot of people don't know this, um, the porn industry is dominated by one massive monopoly. One company called MindGeek owns everything. MindGeek owns Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, Sex.com, Brazzers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And um, what that means is that, you know, a male-dominated, male-led, male-lens company has a monopoly um, in a way that suggests that what you are seeing on, on, on all, of, all of their tube sites is the only way mm. that sex happens. And that's obviously not the case. I have a ton of brilliant female queer pornographer friends who are making really innovative, very creative porn. There's nothing like the homepage of Pornhub. But because of the stranglehold MindGeek has on the industry, you know, um, they can't get the traffic and numbers and revenue they deserve. And by the way, in any other industry, antitrust legislation would have come into play long since, but nobody wants to turn, turn that lens on porn. Yeah. So, so that's, that's one of the issues. Also, you know, um, uh, again, going back to what, what people like doing. So I find it very ironic that when the media shrieks and squawks about porn, um, they only ever shriek and squawk about one genre of porn, which again is the one you, you know, do very often find the homepage of tube sites, which is straight porn where the man is dominating women and the women are submitting some form or other. Funny enough, the media never shrieks and squawks about that massive genre of porn that is for men who adore being dominated by and submitting to women and women who love dominating men and having them submit to them. And because we never hear about that in the media, mm. out there in the world are millions of men who would adore to be dominated in the bedroom, millions of women who would adore to dom dominate who never, ever will. Because the reason the media doesn't talk about that is that it does not accord with our societal construct of masculinity. And those men and women will never do that because it doesn't accord with, you know, traditional gender roles. Mm. Now, I get very frustrated when people use the word porn like it's all one big homogenous mass. Because that's like using the word literature to say it's all the same thing. It's not. The landscape of porn is as rich and infinitely varied as the landscape of literature. There are as many genres, subgenres, but but the media and popular culture drives one narrative. I've spent 14 years trying to get people to, to see the nuance in this one area of universal human behavior and experience that we are almost fucked up about. Mm. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. Just um, hearing you unpack my badly fra like framed question that yes, you're absolutely right. Porn isn't isn't the issue, or any of the stuff kind of really going on. And it's the the conversation that needs to be slotted in just yeah just before exactly what you said about you know speaking to kids, speaking to anybody, drawing that that distinction and connection and and eye opening revelation that porn has you know pawns there but there's there's an understanding that has to uh be be in place so, so so here's my vision when as i said earlier tim you know i have gotten make love not porn funded to scale here's what will happen um when when i'm able to have the impact i want to have in the world parents will then bring their children up openly mm. to have good sexual values and behavior in exactly the same way that they currently openly bring their kids up to have good values and behavior in every other area of life. We will therefore cease to bring up rapists because the only way that you end rape culture, and by the way, this really is the only way, is by inculcating in society and openly talked about, promoted, understood and operated gold standard 
out there in society of what constitutes the good sexual values, good sexual behavior that everyone should aspire to. When we do that, we also end Me Too. We end sexual harassment, abuse, violence, all areas where the perpetrators currently rely on the fact that we do not talk about sex to ensure victims never speak up, yeah. never go to authorities, never tell anybody. When we end that, we massively empower women and girls worldwide. When we do that, we create a far happier world for everybody, including men. And when we do that, we are one step closer to world peace. Oh, I was just about to say, I, world peace. Yes. I, I talk about make, make Love Corners my attempt to bring about world peace, and I'm not joking. <laughs> I think it's uh, it would be a fantastic outcome. Apart from all the other fantastic outcomes, that would be the cherry on the top. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, the um, what now? This might this might sound a bit of a weird loop, but through all your learnings personally, and and you know about about this having having delved into this is there anything that you sort of wished you'd known growing up do you think um oh, to, oh, to, oh gosh i yeah. absolutely wish i'd had what i want everyone to have you know open healthy sex education from day one yeah. basically absolutely the message about pleasure you know um yep no to, um, no i mean you know i would have loved that totally yeah i mean yeah. i mean i mean i'm very lucky in that i found my own path to it and I wasn't too fucked up about it. Um, and I'm also very lucky that I've never been raped, which is depressingly rare within within the female population. Um, you know, it's, um, no, I mean, I mean, I would have absolutely benefited from all this as much as I'm now trying to bring it to everybody. Yeah. No, it's, it sounds very, very exciting. And um, the is there anything else that? if you could you would be paying attention to obviously it sounds like you have your your hands your hands full and your your wild ponies you know you're trying to control them all um what what else should or could other people be be doing kind of in this in this space better do you think i mean um is what what are the missing pieces that that would even um make make this project go go easier for you i mean if 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 the banking industry was differently regulated or anything like that so so do you know that's a great question by the way and the answer is very simply there is one thing and one thing only that would be utterly transformative for me and everyone else working in sex tech which is um to get as much funding as white bros do for utterly trivial tech ventures okay so access to capital is yeah. the only thing we need to absolutely transform this. And, you know, it's ironic because, as I said, I'm raising funding at the moment. And one investor said to me, Cindy, the only market bigger than yours is water. And they were absolutely right. Right. You know? so, um, so, so, so here's here's what is both my challenge, but also, interestingly, how I'm finding my kind of investors. So... I've always known that my investors are out there. There are a ton of them. And by the way, there are a ton of them in every country in the world. There'll be a ton of them in New Zealand. They are impossible to find by the usual means because they all have one thing in common. Your willingness to fund Make Love Not Porn is entirely a function of your personal sexual journey. It is a function of your personal lens on sex and sexuality that's been shaped by your own experience. And I have no way to research and target for that. 
especially because sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks on the inside. The people who look like they would totally get it don't. The people who look like complete prudes do. So my strategy to find investors has been I deliberately put what I'm doing out there all the time. I promote, make my pull across all my social channels. I do every media interview, I go on every podcast because I have to make synaptic connections happen that will attract those investors to me. Now, this is ostensibly a long, slow, painful, and highly inefficient process. The good news is every so often it works. And yeah. even better news is in the past year, it's been working more and more. I am frankly gobsmacked at the, num- at the amount of incoming investor outreach I get on LinkedIn. Awesome. I have investors writing to me on LinkedIn going, I see you raising funding. I'd like to talk. I'm intrigued. Tell me more. And so this is enormously encouraging because there are now more and more hard-headed businessmen and women, business people, who are absolutely seeing the potential to do a huge amount of good and make a huge amount of money. And honestly, it's so great after all these years, we talk to people who absolutely get it Mm. and want to fund me. And so, you know, I'm in the process of, you know, raising this around at the moment, but I feel very optimistic because, you know, there are people who get that this is where you get the biggest financial returns, especially right now in an economic downturn, mm. because make London porn is recession proof and the market never, ever goes away. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, all those. Yeah, that, that is absolutely recession proof, isn't it? That's so interesting. Um, so is there anything else that uh, we, we, haven't, we haven't talked about? um that you that you deem worth mentioning um sure so so i get a lot of people saying to me cindy you know i love what you're doing make love not porn you know i've joined i've subscribed to support you if i had money i'd totally fund you but i don't you know what else can i do to support what you're doing and my response is always you know let me give you one micro action and that is every day talk about sex. And when I say that, again, I don't mean, oh, I don't talk about, what I mean is, if, you know, in the course of your daily life, your work life, you are having a conversation with somebody or several people, where if we were not so messed up about it, it'd be perfectly natural mm. to mention sex, do that. And, you know, I do my own version of this, because on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, et al., you know how, you know, one sees one's friends, you know, either, you know, maybe it's a birthday celebration they're having or they're on vacation somewhere gorgeous. And all the comments are, you know, oh, my God, happy birthday or wow, that, that resort looks amazing. And so I deliberately will leave a comment saying, happy birthday, hope you had great birthday sex or fabulous vacation resort, hope you had great sex on that beach because, you know, they are. Okay? Yeah. And, and the thing is, when you normalize that, you know, my friends go, oh, ha, ha, Cindy, yes, we did. You know, I mean, they're very willing to respond. And that's the power of everybody is dying to talk about sex and everybody wants more openness around it. And so when in the course of your day-to-day life, you have an opportunity to normalize that, please do. Because all of that is hoping what, helping what we call ourselves and Make Love Not Porn, which is the social sex revolution. The revolution part is not the sex. It's the fact we're finally making it social. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. 
I had a, a, a follow up question, which was, you know, what can I as a cis white man in my 40s, uh, you know, rush off and do as well to aid this cause? But that might be it. You might have just told me what yeah, to do yeah, um, and have absolutely. a conversation with my with my children as well. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, um, Tim, what is wonderful is that more and more parents are buying their teenage and 20 something children subscriptions to make love, not porn, because they tell us. I want my kids to see what happy, healthy, loving sexual relationships look like. Absolutely. It's so funny, isn't it? I mean, it was a bit of a revolution for me, but um, I think, you know, the first time my my seven-year-old daughter sort of approached the subject was a, couple, it was a few years ago, actually. Um, I had I had this panic, you know, the initial panic that you have, and, you know, even through doing, mm. doing this work. Um, but in a similar way to anybody that that you care deeply about and love whether it's your parents or your children what of course you wish for them is pleasure happiness and love and you know all of the wonderful things that come with that and yeah the best way to facilitate those that that into reality is um you know is what people are groping around for um and timmy, timmy you, you are spot on with that you know i've said for years you know um, I wish, you know, I wish parents would, and again, this is, this is what I'm trying to help them do. You know, I wish parents would realize that as a parent, to your point, all you want is for your child to be happy. Mm. And everything we're talking about is going to affect their happiness more than any other area of their lives. You know, Make Love Not Porn operates in the single biggest market of them all. Not sex, not porn, the market of human happiness. Mm. Yeah, no, and that's you know as much color plastic as you can you can throw at them just doesn't have the same effect no absolutely yeah. absolutely right yeah um it's that's possible. good good um right well so currently then uh what can people do to find you support you all the rest of it make love dot porn sorry make love not porn dot tv yeah yep. absolutely yeah yeah please you know, it's free to sign up, yep. but do take out a subscription. They start at $10 a month, so it's eminently affordable. Yeah. Um, I would love Kiwi investors. So anybody out there who is or knows an open-minded investor, it's Cindy at MakeLoveNotPorn.com. Brilliant. Um, you can find me and Make Love Not Porn on Twitter and Instagram, at Cindy Gallup, at Make Love Not Porn. We're on Facebook, MLNPTV. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can find out more about me at CindyGallup.com. And also, um, I've just in the last few weeks started a Substack um, newsletter oh, because, because because basically, over the years, um, in amongst you know all those thousands of emails about make love not porn, I have gotten a ton of emails asking for sex advice because people have had nowhere else to go. And yeah. no matter how busy I am, when I get an email as I did years ago from a teenage boy who wrote to me and said, you know, I'm having sex with my girlfriend. I want to know how to make love, not porn. Please tell me because my parents sure as hell won't. Yeah. When I get an email like that, I write back at length. <laughs> and, and he replied and said that his girlfriend went, where did you learn that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, um, so I, I um, you know, and I also get a ton of questions on social media. I don't have time to answer. So I've started a Substack. It's called Dear Cindy. Brilliant. And basically anybody can ask me any question you like about sex, about life, about dating, about relationships, whatever. And every Monday I 
I answer one of those questions. So do check out Dear Cindy on Substack and please send me your questions as I hope you realize by now you can literally ask me anything. Okay. <laughs> oh, we should have written some more racy ones in there, written down. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, off to Substack we go then. Hey, it's been really, really great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll we'll uh, we'll get on get you on again for a for a catch up in 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 the future as well. Absolutely. No, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, Tim. Thanks so much. Thank you so much indeed. Okay, that was Cindy Gallup. Everybody, I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, as you know, I really did. Um, now, Toshi, you've prepared some clips of that as well. Yes. They'll be doing the rounds. Yep, we're rolling those out on Instagram and TikTok. Yep. All the all the best bits. Yeah, bite-sized Cindy. Yeah. Um, she did a great job of uh, plugging all of her uh, socials and mm. um, links and websites and stuff like that at the end of the interview. But go find out more about her. She's really amazing. If you've got any... Um, the what was it something yeah linkedin prolific linkediner yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and um yeah check her out google her and support her any which way you can mm. now then our questions our answers in fact our answers to the would questions. you like to read out the these are the questions that we posed at the beginning of the show mm. do you want to read out the answers yeah so the average age that kids are first watching porn is 12. Oh my god. Which is young, but they also did research and it showed that they are seeing it when they're as young as seven. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. And it's like year three if you're in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. like halfway through primary school. I know. Now this is something that I guess people can't necessarily avoid, but there were some good uh, tips in the... Cindy interview that yeah. we just did and also mm. next time in the Joe Roberts interview about talking uh, about porn mm. to your children. Um, not everybody has kids obviously but there's some interesting um, tips and stuff in there. So yeah. if they have been exposed to it, it tends to be that the younger they are I think they've been exposed to it versus having searched for it right. I think. Um, anyway. mm. But yeah. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question two. So the average amount of time that penetrative sex lasts. I did a study of a whole bunch of couples, and it was five point four minutes. Okay. Um, and I was doing some research, and some male performers, male porn stars, have to go for three hours. They have to. Yeah, it's yeah. part of their job, so they have to take pills and things to make sure that they can do that. Yeah. Because. There's numbing wipes, I think. Oh, okay. As well, yeah, that exist. Wow. I'm sure I've heard those, um, or had those advertised to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. 5.4 minutes is the average. Right, there we go. So that's... And that's penetrative sex. Yeah. So everybody should, uh, or could, instead of focusing on the penetration mm. as, as the goal, yeah. enjoy everything before and after yeah exactly yeah. and check out may love not porn as well mm. might get some uh, some tips on there yeah some ideas cool um question three so the average length of an american penis is five inches mm-hmm. what length penis to gain bisexual men picture in their fantasies it's 7.1 inches 7.1 yeah which is um 18 centimeters 
Golly. Which is like more than half a ruler. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, 30 something centimeters, yeah. 12, 12 inches, yeah. There you go. There you go. That is. <laughs> like I said, oh, yeah. I don't know how how specific people are getting in there in their fantasies. Maybe they just show them pictures instead. Well, but yeah, I was thinking about it, like, because I guess you must have to, like, imagine it and then be like, this is what I'm imagining. Yeah. And then they have to measure that. Yeah. Because it's in your mind. Yeah, it's completely So, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, funny. Oh, well, that's interesting. Awesome. Okay, so, let's wrap this baby up. Um, like we said, coming up next week. Did I say next week? Am I ever-promising there? Next no, next episode. Next, next episode. week. Let's do another one next week. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the bag already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know. The interview with Jo Robertson. She's a New Zealand-based sex therapist, betrayal trauma specialist, and parent consultant. Um, for a sneak peek, go to joerobertson.org. And on the subject of guests, get involved, everybody. We have mm. a large list of people we are going to approach and want to speak to. Yeah. Um, but if there's anybody out there or anybody knows anybody, or anybody has any thoughts on the topics we should be covering, or who we should be speaking to, let us know um, through any means necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Find us however you like. Yeah. We'll listen. We will listen. Yeah, smoke signals or something like that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but otherwise, hello at sexandspace.com. Uh, flick us an email. Mm. But we diligently check our... DMs as well. Yeah. Um, talking of DMs, um, check us out on socials, etc. Mm. Toshi is doing a great job. I'm, I'm going to wade into this TikTok space a little bit myself. Yeah. My face will be briefly featured. Yeah. Uh, on the Cindy Gallup clips. <laughs> My leg was featured the other day. It was. Getting waxed. Surprised no one commented on that. No one said anything about it. No. And no one thought it was your hairy leg. Because <laughs> yeah. I, in one of those videos, I didn't actually say who it was. Yeah, I just let it, I just let it go. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe the sort of body hair acceptance thing is, uh, is so that's coming through. I think yeah. actually, it's still a bit bald. Oh, okay. it might, might be coming back. Was it even this leg? No, it wasn't. It was this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's still looking. Oh yeah, lovely and lovely and smooth. Um, I'm quite proud of myself because the first time I've used wax, so that could have gone horribly wrong. Could have gone horribly wrong. But, <laughs> Not as painful as I thought it was going to be. Okay. It wasn't a. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Wasn't a forty-year-old virgin moment. Um, <laughs> and I don't have much chest hair. We can we can pull that off. Um, uh, cool. All right. Yeah. So yeah. TikTok. Mm. That's sexandspace.com yeah. with a three. But like you said, if you search it, it's all there. Um, Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. Sexandspace.com. Facebook. Facebook. Uh, we were umming and ahhing about delving into Twitter. Mm. Um, but um, I don't know about that. Yeah. Let's see. Not my area of, of expertise, but... No. <laughs> Gets a bit ranty. Dear old Twitter. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't. We will see. Yeah, we'll see. We you might find us there. You may find us there if we... Yeah. Well, you may not. Um, awesome. Uh, now, other business. We wrote a book. Jane Cherrington, who's a part of this project. She did the writing. I did some graphics. Toshi's done some Facebook ads. Yeah. Promoting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my contribution. And yeah, it's out there. It's for sale. Mm -hmm. You can find it at sexandspace.com forward slash book. And it's all about 
an organ that education forgot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over history. Um, yeah, it's about the clitoris. It's a little book about the clitoris. It's very nice, very mm. digestible, very accessible, mm. very non-threatening, mm. yeah. super informative and interesting, a nice way to um, step into, like I said, you know, what might be a, a confronting subject for, for some people, but also um, thought starter, conversation yeah. starter. It's a um, little, little doorway. Little doorway, a little gentle prod into yeah. the um, the sort of the, the kind of information that we all missed out on. Mm. Um, um, and yeah, this book is out there and can um, help. So yeah, check it out. So yeah, sexandspace.com forward slash book. It's on Amazon. Um, is what you buy it from. Yeah. And, um, ooh, and the video on the landing page. Yeah. Um, little competition for everybody, I guess. I don't know what the prize is. <laughs> um, gleeful uh, joy at, and satisfaction, yeah. probably. But yeah. <laughs> see if you can spot the world-famous celebrity that mm -hmm. is uh, in our book reaction video. Mm. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say, really. Yeah. yeah. You have to go and watch it to find out. You have to go and watch it to find out. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to take any more. Go check it out. <laughs> Sexandspace.com forward slash book. Celebrity spotting. Um, cool. Uh, and while you've done that, listen to some other podcasts. There's some other cool ones we've done out there. Mm. Um, yeah, check those out. If you feel like rating us or reviewing us on anything, that's always helpful. Um, what else have we got going on? Anything else you want to say? Add to this. Just tune in. Tune in. Yeah. Check out the TikTok. Yeah. What's coming up on the TikTok? What's the next video? We're, we're doing a um, unpacking porn series. Oh, yeah. That's so right. So if you're interested in anything to do with that, got myth busting. Obviously, we're, you know, showing people who are doing work in this space, um, looking at facts, looking at things like can porn be addictive? So we're just breaking it down. Mm -hmm. you have any questions that you want us to answer? Yeah. Then again, let us know and we'll we'll address them. Make a little video for yeah. you with some answers, some research. All our new male followers, I wonder what they're going uh, to. Yeah. What they're going to make of it all. <laughs> wonder what they want to know. I wonder what they want to know. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Uh, all right then, everybody. See you on the next one. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>